Uh, last week, I started a, a new series called Victorious. You can see uh, up there. Um, during these weeks, I, I wanted to share with you some, some I, I think, some keys and strategies, some scripture on how to have victory in areas that we, that we all tend to struggle with. Um, my heart is that, again, as I pray that we as God's people, we could walk in a greater level of victory than we ever have. Because I believe that the scripture is true. When, you know, when, when, when the scripture says that we can be more than conquerors and we can be overcomers, I don't think that that's just nice things that, 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 that the word says about us. I believe that we can walk in victory. And have greater freedom than we've ever had. I'm going to be looking at specific areas that can affect us all. Or maybe people that uh, we know that are dealing with these things. Last week we looked at bitterness and how that affects our lives. I'm not going to revisit that. If you want to hear that message, you can get the CD. But uh, this week I want to look at anger. Um, I'll share some of my own conviction in my prayer time. Uh, This series kind of came out of a place where the Lord was putting his hand on my own life and some things that uh, I need to deal with before him. So I wanted to share this morning on another topic that I, that I think is very pertinent to, to us all. Again, this is stuff to look at in your own heart, but maybe you see it generationally and maybe it helps you identify some areas of struggle and just to see what God would say to us. Um, the couple of key passages, first one is Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Um, It's up on the screen for you. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, this is one of my life verses. I love this passage. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There is a race marked out for each of us. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Whether you believe that or know that or not, he does. And then it says this, Here's that kind of that big key is fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And so we look at it, it says, since we're surrounded by these great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And that sounds, and I talked a little bit about this last week, it sounds so easy, doesn't it? Just, just throw it off. You're in a race, just throw off that thing that hinders you. And it can, it can be very difficult to figure out how to do that. And I'm going to talk about some, I, I believe, some keys and strategies today of how to do that with the sin of anger, the sin that so easily entangles, those nagging sins that keep tripping us up in our walk with Christ. Can we have victory in those areas? And then the question is, if we say, yes, we can, then how do we do it? How do we throw off, like last week, the sin of bitterness? How do we throw off this week the sin of anger? How do we do that? And I shared this, and I will share it again, but I don't think in this life we'll ever be completely free from struggles. We, we have things that we wrestle with, but here's the thing. I don't think that we have to be dictated by them. I don't think that they have to become dictator or master in our lives. And one of the keys to victory, and I said this again last week, living in victory will be day-to-day, moment-by-moment, walking with Jesus, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So what does the enemy want to do with those nagging sins? He wants them to become strongholds. He wants them to become dictators in your life. That, you know, and you know what I'm talking about is that it, you're not mastering it or you're not, it's not a struggle. It has control over you. And he wants that to be in our lives to defeat us and to hold us captive. And Jesus wants us 
to walk in freedom. John 8, here's the other key passage that I want to look at. In this exchange with the Jews, John 8, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said this, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And again, this is a conditional promise, but if you hold to his teaching, that means following him, that means being close to Christ, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And they answered, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we will be set free? And Jesus replied, very truly, I'm telling you the truth here. I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I said this last week, it bears repeating. Jesus is tying in, if we understand sonship, we will will begin to understand freedom. You see what he's saying there. This is a passage, and we, we, we know that end part. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. But a lot of times we miss in context what he has said before. And when he says very truly, it's like verily, verily, he's saying, really listen to this. Everyone who is a sin is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family. People that struggle with sin a lot of times don't understand that they're a child of God. And who they are in Christ Jesus and who they have as their father. That the almighty creator of heaven and earth is our father if we belong to Christ. And he's saying that a, a slave doesn't get it. A slave just is not a permanent member. But a son or a daughter is a permanent member of the family. And that's what he's tying together. And he says, and they, they, they belong to it forever. And so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And here was one of the great revelations that Jesus was trying to give us is that we're sons and daughters of God. If you get that, all of a sudden it's, I'm living in this family and I don't want to be dictated by sin. I want to please the Father and I want to walk with Christ. So we see intimacy in that passage as one of the keys to freedom. So the specific sins that we'll look at, um, you know, the reason why I chose these, they, they are tied to many others, just like bitterness. And last week I showed how bitterness can be tied to many different sins that we can wrestle with. And uh, that's why I picked these, um, these particular ones. But today, anger. We're going to look at the sin of anger. What, is, what does anger mean? Anger defined is this. It's a strong feeling of displeasure and belligerence aroused by a wrong. That's the actual definition, strong feeling of displeasure. And then we're going to look at this passage in just a second. But anger, in a lot of ways, can be tied to bitterness. It's, it can be linked by an event It can be linked to a season in your life or a series of events that that we have not let go. Because resentment follows, and then bitterness and or anger follows that. And last week when we looked at bitterness, bitterness can, and again, these are not just pat things, but typically bitterness is usually more inward. When you talk about a bitter person, sometimes it's more inward. They don't let it out. But anger has... uh, Anger tends to have more of an outward manifestation. And in talking about the sin of anger, I'm not talking about frustration that is associated with negative things that happen or like a righteous anger. There, there is a, such a thing as a righteous anger. We all deal with stuff um, and, and have a response, an emotional response. We can't just turn that button off. We are emotional in our makeup too. And so we, when there's something happens and we have a negative response to a hurt, uh, to a, with, with a frustration, we're going to have 
a response. I'm talking about, and you'll, you'll, a lot of people that deal with these sins, they know they deal with them. But I'm talking about that inner volcano that erupts and boils over where we tend to lose control. And our emotions are involved in that. It can manifest, in some extreme cases, in verbal or physical abuse. And so today as we look at this anger, what triggers anger in you? Um, a few years ago, I'm just going to tell a little story on myself because it's the assembly of furniture and kids' toys that kind of triggers anger in me. If I can just be honest with you, my wife can attest to this and will say that is true. Some years ago, I was putting together an entertainment center that we had bought, and like any man, a lot of times I can do this by myself. I don't need any help, you know, because I'm a man. You know, it's weak to ask for help, right? Come on, man. Do a bark or a grunt or something, man. I need you. Um, yeah. And so I'm putting this thing together, and it, there's nothing more frustrating than me when a plan is not coming together like you want it to. And I've, I've learned to, you know, that whole message on thankfulness, I've learned to thank God, too, when a plan does come together and something goes smooth. Oh, it is just the greatest thing. But I inherited, and I've shared this before, but I inherited my dad's generational thing that nothing that should take 30 minutes, you know, is not going to take 30 minutes. It's going to be all day. My dad had that gift, and he graciously sent that down my way. I found out when, when somebody says, hey, are you doing something? I'm like, well, yeah, I'm doing a little plumbing project, and it should only take about an hour. I should never say that. I should never say that. So this particular time, I am putting together this entertainment center, and I, following the directions, I do do that sometimes, ladies. Because um, a lot of times, you know, we just can't, men, men just think, I got it. And we just kind of look at how it's supposed to go. And that's a huge mistake, by the way. Um, but I'm following along. I get the three main sections together. And then I turn the page, and it's a picture. And I have put in a lot of screws at this point, And something is not working. And I turn the page, and there's only two main sections together. And I even had my, I said, look at this. Am I, am I weird or what? I mean, is it, and it was that the instructions were wrong. They were wrong. I kid you not. And I'm thinking, who writes these things? And they're probably saying, watch what this is going to do to an angry person. This is going to be hilarious. Let's put the pages on the... And it was like they were skipping steps, and I wasn't sure what was going on, but I thought that they had me in mind, and there was probably somebody chuckling about this whole thing of, of when they look at these entertainments. And I got so frustrated to the point where, you know, you want to pick it up and you want to throw it in the yard and then just strike a match to it. But I, I, I had my sense. But those kind of things drive me nuts, and it can trigger an anger button in me. What, what's, what is your trigger? It just felt good to confess that. But if you deal with anger today, you know what I'm talking about. And I encourage you to be honest with God. And just like we talked about bitterness, it's just we open our hearts to him. The worst thing that we can do is just to pretend it's not happening or make justifications. Some of you guys probably think I'm justifying. It's like probably he was wrong about that. It, it, the instructions were wrong. And I'm going to the grave believing that. But he wants us to be free. And I think part of our freedom is just to be honest with him and deal with it 
in a very transparent way. Um, most angry people, they don't like who they are when they get angry. Remember The Incredible Hulk? It was the TV show, Don't Make Me Angry. Remember what he say? You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. And most people that get ang angry or have an anger problem, they don't like themselves when they're angry. So today, do you deal with anger? Is there something that happened that maybe was a cause of your anger or that causes anger to rise up and take over? Sometimes when our parents have split up or, uh, you know, you can track back. And I, again, I'm not saying always, but sometimes a divorce. And kids have a hard time dealing with that if they don't process it in a healthy way. There is a frustration that can build up there to cause them to become very angry. Or maybe you dealt with neglect, abuse, wrong treatment. Maybe you were bullied. Maybe a spouse betrayed you. Maybe it's self-hatred over choices you made. Or maybe you're angry at God because things didn't happen the way you thought they should or would. And we can have these expectations and, and, and expectations that are crushed can cause us to deal in anger. So let's look at this passage that is on your screen, Ephesians 4, 26 through 27. Paul says this, in your anger, do not sin. That's important for us to hear that. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. That's a mouthful in a very short verse. So what's Paul saying? First of all, he says, in your anger, do not sin. He's saying there's an, there is a righteous anger. You can be angry and not sin. It's, it's, it, it, you can have a response. You can be angry. Some people call it a righteous anger. Jesus had a righteous anger. Remember when he came into the temple? And the, they, were, they had turned the temple of God into this trade thing. And he, you know, he turned over tables and he was angry. And he said, you turn my father's house into a den of thieves. My house shall be called a house of prayer. And he was righteously angry over what was going on there. So there is a way to be angry and not sin. The original Greek word, and you can see that for anger, is orge, is a desire or a response to a hurt. There again, we are emotional creatures. We have a response when we are hurt. And so we can have a righteous anger or an, an angry response that doesn't turn into sin. And then he says this, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Isn't it interesting that, and Athena and I have had this kind of running thing since we got married, is that we would, you know, well, at first you're not going to get angry, right, when you're married? We won't get angry at each other. We've already, we've already determined, we've talked that out, that we, you know, and I, I just want to, I, I, I do chuckle underneath, maybe sometimes out loud. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to go in this and we're not going to get angry at each other. And that's just not going to happen. When you have two people that are broken that are that close together, there are going to be angry moments. And so we had this, at the, at the beginning of our marriage, we just said that, that we, want to, we want to not let the sun go down on our anger. And so if there's an issue, we try our hardest to resolve that or to at least forgive or to at least come to a place of peace. There's sometimes you're just not going to agree. Can I get an Amen. 
Isn't that right? You're going you're, you're to at least come to a place where you are at peace and you agree to disagree. But he's saying don't let the sun go down while you are angry. Why? Because that, that has the tendency to fester. And a lot of times you can't sleep real well anyway when you're trying to go to sleep angry. And, and I think he's saying deal with it. Get right with God and with others. Then he says something that I think that is so important here. Do not give the devil a foothold. And this is in context where he's talking about anger. Do not give the devil a foothold. Foothold in the Greek is topos. It means room. And so he's saying don't give the devil room to work in your life. Don't give him room to move. He will take what you give him. All he needs is a foothold. All he needs is a cracked door, and he will come in. I found this out in my own life, that he will take the room that you give him. And all he needs is a, a little foothold. The longer we don't, we, we don't deal with anger, the more room we give the devil to work. And, I, and just in that word topos, room, is if you let the devil move in, he's coming. And he's bringing a lot of stuff with him. Don't give the devil a foothold, room. And so a great passage is the first time we see sinful anger at work. You will recognize this story. But I want you, as we think about what Paul just said in Ephesians, don't give the devil a foothold tied to anger. Look at this from Genesis 4. Cain and Abel. So you can go to the next... Genesis 4, Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the, and here's the key, firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. And then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Listen to what the Lord says to him. If you do what is right, you, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. In other words, he's saying what Paul later on said, you're going to give room to the devil. You're going to give the devil a foothold. And then he says this, it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Master it. That's what, that, what he's saying. You must master over it. Now this story, we can look at this story and we say, what made Cain so angry? And why did God accept Abel's offering and not his? And this is where, you know, it's a different sermon for a different day. But what Abel was doing is bringing the best of what he had. He was bringing his first fruits. It's somewhat even you can tie in together where, uh, you know, the, like the tithe. He brought his firsts, his best. And Cain brought leftovers. Here's a little. It's not that God liked, you know, the, the, the livestock guy better than the soil guy. It was, it was a based on... Abel saying, here's the best, here's the first fruits of my labor. And Cain said, you know, if I have some left over, then I'll give that to you. And that's kind of what he did there. And so God says, I receive Abel's because it was valuable to him. And he understood 
this trust that he has with me. And Cain, you gave me, if you had excess, well, I'll give, 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 give here and there and there. And God, if I have something left over, I'll give you that. And I won't jump into all of that today, but Cain was angry. And then that anger went unchecked. And the Lord has given him out. The Lord is speaking to him. Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? And so he had this opportunity to go to the Lord and, and, and do what is right. Because the Lord said, if you do what is right, you'll be accepted. And he had this opportunity to get things right with God. You know, he could have just said, Lord, you know, forgive me. I see that. And I'm very sorry. And I, 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 uh, Lord, I want to please you. Show me how to please you. Instead, he internalizes this, and he begins, you see, resentment. God's blessing my brother. And, 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 and sometimes, again, anger can be triggered by different things. You, you see Asaph in Psalm 73 say, you know, I, my, my foot almost slipped because I saw the wicked prosper. And I begin to resent people that were getting blessed, and I think that they deserve not to get blessed, and they're getting blessed. And then anger begins to stir. And so Cain, you see him, all of a sudden, this anger that's going unchecked. And so he responded in deep-seated sinful anger, and he murdered his brother. And you, can, you, know, you think about, what was his problem with Abel? And this is my brother, and you should see how this sin, and, and all of a sudden it goes unchecked, and it goes unchecked further, and then it grows, and then all of a sudden this eruption, and he murders him. And somehow he crossed that line to say, I'm justifying this somehow. But, he, you know, Abel was not his problem. His problem with, was with God. So we have an opportunity, too, to repent and get right instead of taking it out on someone else. And then God says this to, to Cain in his exchange. He said that the sin of anger wants to have its way with you, Cain. Because anger can take over you. It can take over, and, and, then, and then people can snap. But he says you must rule over it, and you must become its master instead of the other way around. Don't give the devil a foothold. Because if you give the devil a foothold, it will, and we've heard this saying before, it will take you farther than you want to go. You'll have regrets if you don't check this thing and get this thing right. If you don't master over it, it'll keep you longer than you wanted to say. It'll cost you more than you ever imagined. There will be consequences. And we see that Cain was cast away from God and he had to wander. And he became a, a drifter. And so there's this tie of seeing sinful anger and giving the devil room in your life if you don't get the anger under control. And so there's two wrong ways to deal with anger. If we can go to the next one. Two wrong ways. There's short-fused people, and then there's long-fused people. The short-fused are hot-tempered. The Bible calls it hot-tempered. Their response is immediate. Something triggers, and they lash out. They lash out verbally or physically. They don't think through the consequences. Sometimes they, send, they just write a nasty note or that email with exclamation points and underlines just to kind of say, you need to know that it's all caps and I'm really angry. 
Because all, all caps means you're really excited or you're really angry, by the way. And they tend to do stuff immediately. They haven't processed in a godly way. Then there's long-fused people. These people suppress things. They stew on things. Resentment usually is tied to anger here, and it builds and it builds. And again, these people aren't dealing with it in a godly way. They just keep putting one layer over the other. These are people that, that everyone knows they're not okay, and you ask them if they're okay, and what do they say? I'm fine. And they walk by you, and, and you're like, you know, and every, every alarm is going, things are not okay. We have a problem here. But they have learned to suppress and suppress and suppress. Then they will end up sometimes snapping, and the manifestations can be the same as short-fused people. Here's the problem. They both have fuses, and there's going to be an explosion that happens. And so just because maybe you don't immediately lash out doesn't mean that you don't deal with anger. Maybe you're one of those people that has a longer fuse. There's a pastor that's told a story about a man that he counseled, and this guy was a relatively peaceful person. Um, never had any problems um, in the past that no one knew of. He had some issues in his past, but he was one of these long-fused people. And in a moment, struck his wife and a child, and he ended up losing absolutely everything in that moment because this anger went unchecked. Proverbs 29.11 a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Again, you may have an anger issue if you can't keep yourself under control. Now, I'm not talking about righteous anger here again. I, I'm making the distinction. Sinful anger is what I'm dealing with, and sinful anger leads to all kinds of other issues. It can uh, verbal or physical abuse. It can, it can manifest a resentment or shutdown. I just kind of put this wall up and, and, and I'm angry and I'm going to teach everyone a lesson around me or those that love me. But here's one of them that is very dangerous and it's the sin of justification. Sometimes angry people, well, if you wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have responded in that way. A lot of times that's why somebody that's the victim of abuse, they deal with it thinking it's their fault. Because maybe that's something been, has been spoken. If you wouldn't have done that, I, I, you know, you're, you're the one that caused this issue in my life. And that's a sin of justification. And if it's associated with anger, it's deadly. And let me tell you that if you have been the victim of that, you need to get some help from that. Or if you know somebody, they, they desperately need to get out of that situation. That somebody would physically abuse them and then blame it on them. And this is God's mercy. If this is striking a chord, or if you're maybe you're dealing with it, the opportunity is to get right. Don't, don't get mad at me, but, but get right with God. Sometimes verbal punches can be as painful as physical punches. That anger lashes out, I wish I would have never married you. I wish I didn't have you. You were a mistake. You'll never amount to anything. 
And those verbal punches can be as deadly. And James says this, even to the point of death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life, what are we speaking? Sometimes we say things in anger. And we must be very, very careful because death and life are in the power of the tongue. Another thing is about angry people is people are scared of angry people. You know, you kind of walk on eggshells around them. Are they going to snap? You can't really have a constructive conversation. Angry people tend never to be accountable because people are afraid to maybe ask them a hard question because of their response. And it's, they just kind of live in this place where they're just intimidating others around them. And again, maybe this is you, maybe you see it in generations, maybe you know, father or grandfather, you saw this in your family and there's this tendency to, that it can happen to you. God wants us to deal with these things and cut it off at our generation. And so what do we do with sinful anger? Again, there is a righteous anger, and I'm talking about that. We can be angry and not sin, but what, what does the word say about anger? Let's look at a few passages here. Here's the first one. Psalm 37, 8, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it only leads, it leads only to evil. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. And he's saying, you know what, that sinful anger is only going to lead to greater evil. Next one is Proverbs 15, 18. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Sometimes angry people, they stir up conflict. They almost get energized off of it. But the one who's patient calms a quarrel. Can you get into a quarrel? Can you get into a disagreement? Because we're going to have disagreements. We're going to have to work things out. And sometimes we have strong emotional responses to what's going on. What happens when we get into those situations? Can we do it in such a way that we don't snap or explode? Proverbs 29, 22, an angry person stirs up conflict, and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. And so when when it says that, our sin is not just our sin, it affects others. There's a ripple effect in sinfulness that if, we, if it goes unchecked, it can affect many lives. It can affect our children. It can affect people around us. And ultimately, again, the enemy wants it to be a stronghold in your life, and he would like to see you pass it on to your kids and their kids and to see this be an issue in your life all your days. And, and then it's just passed on from generation to generation. Ecclesiastes 7, 9 is the next one. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Quickly provoked. Is that you? Are you quickly provoked? Do you, are you just kind of on the edge and the ledge all the time? James 1, 19 through 20 is the last scripture I'll look at here. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Again, we can hear that passage, but man, there's a mouthful. He's kind of given us some ways to prevent anger. The first one is be quick to listen. A lot of times angry people, they don't want to listen. 
You know, you see it, and, and again, even, even if it's not that they explode, that they're just getting, they're just sitting there, and they're getting angry, and they're waiting for you to be quiet so, so that they can speak, instead of saying, let me listen to what's being said here. Because even if it's a criticism, maybe the other person is saying some things that are hard to hear, maybe God's trying to say something here. But that's where you walk in discernment and say, well, this applies, maybe this doesn't. But he says, be quick to listen. If you go into conflict or, or you're, ha- you're having a, you know, a discussion, you know what I mean, with others, and God, help me to be quick to listen. Help me to be quick to listen. Then he says, quick to listen, slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. And I, I, I encourage you to, to pray about this. If you deal with those things, as, as Lord, in those situations, help me to be mindful because a lot of times angry people, they, they lose the ability to, to have a normal conversation. They begin to just get riled. And all of a sudden, it's just like, you know, they, they, they've lost this ability to have a peaceful conversation. But Lord, help me to be quick to listen and slow to speak. That's why he's given us two ears and one mouth. We should listen twice as much as we speak. And then he, if you're quick to listen, slow to speak, then it, and it's easier to be slow to be angry. And then verse 20 says, because human anger, you see the distinction? Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. There is a godly anger, and we can deal that. We can have the right response. So how do we overcome sinful anger? How do we do it? I'm going to look at this, and I'm going to be closing with these few things. How do we do it? Number one is drop it. Proverbs 17, 14, starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Angry people can't drop it. They can't let it go. They either say, I'm going to, you are going to hear my point or you're going to understand that I'm right. That usually does not go well. But it's starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. And so the writer says, so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Angry people tend to bring it up over and over. I mean, sometimes it's, it's, it's you're frustrated with something that happened years ago and, and you keep rehearsing it and playing it over and, or an argument that was last week and now 10 days, 14 days later, we're still visiting that and taking shots. You, know, you remember that? And when you did this, it, you, it, it caused this and we have a hard time dropping it. And God is saying, drop it. Let it go. It's not yours to take. And this is, this is difficult, too, is, is especially when you're right about something. And you know that this person has wronged you, but you have to learn how to drop it and forgive and move on. Let me say this, and as we talk about this, provoking anger is also wrong. Provoking anger is also wrong. Ephesians 6, 4 says this. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So in this issue of anger, sometimes we can tend to provoke other people's anger. 
And this is like I said before, never use that as a justification. Just because somebody provokes you to anger, it does not give you justification to be abusive or to lash out at them. So there's responsibility on both parts. But also, if you are one of those people that likes to button push, and you know that this angry person, then there's a certain maybe weird thrill that you get out of hitting their button to watch them get angry, do not provoke to anger. It's a sin. <clears throat> but this proverb, that's a great analogy. Breaching a dam, is, 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 this is a great, great analogy. You breach a dam and there may be only a trickle at first. But we all know that when, when a dam is breached, there is a flood of destruction that is coming. And that's why he says starting a quarrel, quarrel is like breaching a dam. When you have to be right and you are, you are you know, you're hitting that anger button, it, there, there's more than just a leak coming. And that's where that starting a quarrel, pushing the buttons, having to be right. And we need to ask ourselves, is this constructive or destructive? Bringing things up that we've been stewing on. You say, well, how do, I, how do I drop it? You talk to God about it. There may never be the resolution that you want. You may never get the response that you are looking for. And a lot of times is that we are, are dropping anger is conditional. If they would just say they're sorry. A lot of times if you're dealing with anger, even if they say they're sorry, you're going to deal with something else. But it, it, a lot of times we put these conditions. That's why we say we go to God and we work it out with him. We talk to God about it. God, they make me so mad. I am so angry at this and process with God. That's what David, read the Psalms. He's asking God to kill his enemies. Lord, you see them hunting me down, break their necks, shatter their teeth. He's, he's talking to God. God, you deal with them. I, I, and, 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 and so there's this healthy process sometimes just talking to God about it and saying, Lord, even if I don't get the resolution that I want, I'm not going to keep bringing this up. Help me to drop it. Also in this point, watch out for trigger points. Be mindful. Recognize what triggers you. Is it when you're irritable? You know, you've had a long day? You know what I'm talking about. You know, those, those, those irritability points. Those, I'm, I'm tired. I'm a little more emotional. And sometimes, you know, angry outbursts come at the most silly things, don't they? Like putting together an entertainment center. And it can, it can just all of a sudden come up and but maybe I'm, I'm irritable or I'm tired or something has happened here. We need, to, we need to process that in a healthy way and recognize what triggers you. And talk to God about it. Lord, I'm, I'm irritable today. It's been a long day and maybe there were some you know, things at work that weren't right. And now I'm bringing this home and I'm a bit irritable and it was a hard day. And, uh, and now, you know, my... Kids ask me to do something, and I just snap at them, and, and, and it's not, it has nothing to do with them. It was just something that I was dealing with all day long, and God, help me to be mindful of that. So drop it. Number two is repent to God and others for your anger. 
You know, there is an untapped power that we have access to that a lot of us don't use, and that's the, that is the power of repentance. I encourage you sometimes to just do a word study in the Bible about repentance. I mean, you'll see with Acts 3 when, when, when Peter says, repent, therefore, and there are times of refreshing will come from the presence of God. But that's where repentance is where we take ownership of it. And then we don't justify it. We get honest before God and say, you know what? That was not their fault. That was my fault. At some point, I took ownership of this. And God, I want to get this right with you. I'm not going to justify it. I'm not going to make excuses for it. But there is an untapped power that we have that we don't use a lot. And that's saying, I'm sorry. That's going to somebody and say, I recognize what I did was wrong and I am sorry. Sometimes we need to verbally do that. There is a, there's a power in it. Please forgive me. When's the last time you did that to someone that you wronged? And a lot of times we, you know, and, I, and it's important to start with God and say, God, forgive me. And I'm being honest, but sometimes God will say, you need to go to that person. You say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. But what is repentance? Repentance is not just being sorry. It is doing something different. Repentance, literally the definition of repentance is, I was going this way and I'm turning around and I'm going in the opposite direction. But repentance comes to recognizing and grieving my sin. And understanding it's God's mercy, not beating yourself up, not condemnation. I'm not talking about shame that the enemy does, but it's just grieving my sin, saying, God, I recognize that. I want to come clean. Because when we get true repentance instead of condemnation, true repentance, what Peter says, is refreshing comes from the Lord. You come clean, and there's an inward cleaning that happens. Shame and condemnation of the enemy, what he does is he just kind of keeps it over, and it's like a dark cloud that just hangs around you all over. You know, I'm a worthless no good, nothing, and, and, and there's just this cloud, and we think that that's somehow like healthy. It is not. That's shame and condemnation. God says when you come clean, there is a cleanness and repentance, and a refreshing comes from the presence of God. Number three is this. Receive God's love, mercy, and forgiveness, and forgive yourself. In Christ, you don't have to keep paying for it. When Jesus said it is finished, he meant that. When you come clean, you get things right with God. You don't have to keep trying to pay for your sins. And that's tied with the other one because the enemy will continue to try to keep that hanging over you. Now, there may be consequences. Consequences are healthy. I mean, we see that in our own kids. You know, when they deal with something, some of those Great, great life lessons are when they endure consequences. Isn't that true? And they see that, okay, I wasn't forced to do this. I did this, and there was a consequence that came on the heels of that. And so in our sin, there are consequences sometimes, and you can be dealing with consequences, but in the midst of that, Jesus still can give you his mercy and his peace. And then he can even say that consequence is my mercy because I don't want you to keep going where you drive off a cliff with this thing and do greater destruction. 
So receive God's love, mercy, and forgiveness and forgive yourself. Number four, process in a healthy way. If you're dealing with anger, go to someone you trust and make yourself accountable to them. To some, I would say get counseling. Go to a godly counselor that will help you deal with some spiritual issues. Maybe look in the past. Maybe find some of those to help you like, process some of those trigger points in your life. But get counseling. Be accountable to someone. Work on processing with them in a healthy way. And here's, here's going to be the, the, the kicker with this one. Because like I said, a lot of times angry people, they don't want to be accountable. And people don't want to hold them accountable. If I'm dealing with an angry person, I may not confront them because I, you know, we're gonna, we're, they're going to blow up. They don't really want to be held accountable. Allow people to ask you questions and not get angry. Let them confront you. And all of this, when we process, it takes humility. It takes humility to go to someone. That's why a lot of times, you know, when we're, when we're dealing with stuff, it's, it, and men deal with this more than women, and I'm not saying that, that women don't have that struggle, but it's a lot of times it's, I got this. I can deal with this. I got it. I don't need any, I don't, I don't need help, especially as a pastor. I mean, I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to have it all together, right? Because pastors, that's one of the definitions, is guys that have it all together, right? That's what in the dictionary, pastor. We don't, by the way. But a lot of times we can get this prideful thing on us that says, I've got this. And, lot, and, and God is saying, no, you don't got it. It's got you. That's what, that's what God told, it, it told Cain is you need to master it because it's got you. You don't have it. You don't, you, may, Cain, maybe you are frustrated. Maybe you look at your brother and there's some frustration. But, but sin is at the door. And it's going to master you if you don't master it. And so sometimes it takes humility to go and sit down with somebody and say, I'm dealing with anger and I need help. I don't know how to process this. Number five is this. Ask the Holy Spirit for his indwelling and power. If you were here last week, you'll know that that was kind of one of those points on bitterness too. Is The Holy Spirit is our counselor, our comforter. He's the one that gives us in filling and power Jesus promised him. Remember when Jesus said, it's good that I go away because if I don't go away, the counselor, the comforter won't come. And we have, as, as believers, we have the Holy Spirit residing in us. And we can say, I need you, Holy Spirit. He, he's called our counselor. He, he's like a, he's, he's, he's a built-in around you counselor from, straight from God. And he's the one that gives you power. He's the one that fills you. He's the one that helps you and makes you more like Christ and, and we can talk to him and we can pray to him and we can ask for his indwelling, ask for his power, ask for his baptism. Jesus says, you know, talking about the Holy Spirit, he said, you, not many days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And we can ask for his indwelling and his power to overcome those sins and to put off anger and to put on peace. Colossians 3, verse 8, first it says, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, that's the first one. Rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, 
humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have as a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. We need the Holy Spirit's power to, to, to put off, as Paul says, you know, put off this and clothe yourselves with this. Because you're going to have the opportunity to be frustrated. He's saying in there, you're going to have grievances. You're going to have disunity. You're going to have areas you don't agree. This happens in family. This happens in church. This happens at work. You're going to have it, and it's going to be there. What will our response be? We need the Holy Spirit's power to overcome those areas. Let's pray. Lord, ultimately we come before you today and we say, God in heaven, we need you. We need your help. We need your strength. Holy Spirit, we need your power. We need your indwelling. We can't just wish ourselves to be better. We can't just rely on our own self-strength, our own willpower. Lord, uh, that is just it, it's human strength. And, and Lord, we need supernatural strength that goes beyond us. And Lord, I pray, God, that if Lord, this message touched in on someone today that is dealing with the sin of anger, God, I pray, Lord, that you would lovingly speak to their heart even right now. Lord, that if something in this message, something that you spoke, Lord, maybe it was even Holy Spirit that you're speaking something that wasn't even, that I didn't even say, but that you're point, pointing out something, you're putting your hand on it. Thank you for your mercy. And I pray today, God, that we would get free, that we would see victory in this issue of anger. Lord, I pray your grace over each one of us as we respond to you, that we would respond to you in a right way. Lord, if there's somebody we need to go to and make things right, we would do that. Lord, if there's a matter that we need to drop that we've been rehearsing over and over, I pray that you would help us to do that. So God, we need your help today. And as we close, we're going to have the lights put down. We're, um, I'm just going to, um, again, give you an opportunity if you'd like prayer, just as we did last week have some of our leaders come up and be available to you to pray for you if you would like that. If you want to just be alone with God for a few moments, I encourage you to do that. We're just going to put some music on. Um, if you need to go, go, God bless you and have an awesome day, an awesome week. But if you would like to just be alone with God or, or like somebody to pray for you, pray with you, I encourage you to do that. And Thank you, Lynn. God, we love you and we thank you that you are here, that you love us. I pray, God, that uh, our hearts would be touched by your spirit each and every day and that we would walk it out with you day by day, moment by moment. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you if you need to go. God bless you if you want prayer or if you want to be alone with God. Uh, feel free to do that.